welcome back to another very special episode of the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we take the movies we love, break them apart, bust their jingle bells, and find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by my just very difficult, nearly impossible to housebreak pet and co-host. Listen, I don't like water. It's Alex Dandino. Yeah, guys, today is the very special Christmas episode of the Film Alchemist podcast. Happy this Christmas, folks. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, all the good stuff, right, guys? This is a, a special pod, one of our last pods of our best year today on the podcast. It's been a wonderful year, so we had a Christmas movie picked out. We'll get to it later. We decided we'd let the fans choose, and uh, one of our patrons, Mike Cloud, friend of the show, actually won... Uh, our our stocking stuffer contest, and he chose Gremlins for the Christmas movie. So uh, before we do Gremlins, though, a little business. <laughs> you thought you forgot, but if Gremlins is about anything, it's about capitalism. So here we go, guys. It's official. The, the, the Film Alchemists are on Patreon. That's right, patreon.com slash pod. Guys, it's the absolute best way to help the show. It's a great gift for anyone you know who loves movies. It's a great gift for yourself. Treat yourself, right? That's what we're here for. Pamper yourself. Finish this year strong. We've all been through a lot. Pamper yourself in the elegant, soft, moist towelette of our voices. And just sail into that new year. New new year, new pods, all the good stuff, right? So as for as little as a dollar a month, guys, you get in. You can uh, meet our community. Meet all our friends over there that we already have, patrons over there. And as you begin to climb the official Highlander tier ranking system, you can begin to select the specific movies you want to hear in a Patreon-exclusive library. We have a lot of great episodes there, a lot of great movies that we're about to cover. Uh, again, on patreon.com slash Pod. Meet our community, hang out with us, get a vote on our fourth movie of every curation. We are trying so hard to keep uh, awesome content flowing over there so that you know that your dollar is well spent. And we do assure you, every single dollar is appreciated. So for those of you who help us, thank you. For those of you who are about to, thank you as well. Make sure you go to our YouTube channel because, I mean, if hearing our voices is great, seeing our faces is almost orgasmic. Uh, I say almost because literally no one ever has, but I held out hope that they will. Uh, the email is filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. We're on all the socials you're on, so reach out uh, to us fellow young hip people. We love to hear from you. We're easy to communicate. So uh, that's it for business. All right, Alex, I just got to say, my brother called me the other day. My brother, Skyler, wild card of the family, right? And just yeah. this text. And I was afraid that I had missed a very important call because he just said, hey, are you cool with me buying your son's hamsters, right? For Christmas, and I immediately ran to my phone. I'm like, it's been seven minutes. I'm like, he could be six hamsters deep by now. Yeah, I was gonna say, so I'm texting shit. him. I'm like, what kind of sex pervert store were you at? And then you just happened to find hamsters. And how did this happen? Don't do it. I was like, don't fucking buy hamsters, right? Right. Because my sons won carnival fish, right? This year, this was something they did: carnival goldfish. Mm -hmm. Little do they know how many fish have died in their tank, and we keep replacing that they just think are nice. the same. Wait, do you know the number from? though? I mean, we're probably. I, I would I would hate to say it out loud because I don't know if this is going to make me seem I'll say this. We tried African dwarf frogs. Um, not hardy, not hardy uh, little guys. Anywho, is the gold, are the goldfish in the teens at this point? Not the teens. I mean, that would just be absurd. Like we're not aquatic leather fish. I want a I want I want a goldfish. Sorry. Quick aside. I want a goldfish <laughs> at uh, Stony Brook yeah. Elementary, Stony Creek Elementary in Noblesville. Yeah. Carnival goldfish, shitty goldfish. My parents named it Larry. I wasn't even allowed to name it. Just named it for death from that moment. Larry the goldfish lived for seven years. Just saying. I mean, that's what they fucking say. Larry lived for. Larry's like the doctor, and he just kept regenerating in your bowl. But no, this is the thing. Hand of God. My Go point was. My point was that the shitty goldfish they won for free on this fucking rigged carny ping pong ping pong ball game. I don't know if you can say carny anymore. Uh, carnival employee uh that turned into three free goldfish has turned into several hundred dollars so many hours of fucking research online to figure out how to not have fish die how to cure algae all this shit right and i was afraid we're about to do it again with hamsters and as i watch gremlins today <laughs> i have to say 
there are two things that really leap out of you right at the start of this film, right? One is that Mogwai's are not a pet, but a curse, right? They're a weapon designed somewhere to punish the world's shittiest dad, which this guy is probably close if he weren't so jovial. Top five, at least. And number two... Yeah, I don't even know what I'm saying, Alex. I think these pets suck. I don't think pets that have this many rules are something that should titillate you to buy for your son who kind of has a job but still lives at home. Yeah. His dog is already fucking a criminal dog amongst the neighborhood. I feel like this movie, this movie has a, a subtext, right? Like if the if the icing on the cake are these really cool mogwais, this is a cake of sadness. This is a dense, stodgy Paul Hollywood not approved. Yeah, cake. Paul Hollywood. But this would be the only time in the history of the Great British Bake Off where Paul Hollywood, shit, I can't eat it. Like he would, yeah. he, like they never insult you anyone. Should have on thrown that, show. that away. Yes, you should have thrown that. They never say anything mean. It'd be the only time Paul Hollywood would say, shit, like yeah. mean, mean things to say. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'll tell you this though. This is another a great memory I have of Gremlins. Right when I was a kid, I, I think I told this story when we did Big Trouble Little China. But I had a, I had a not very responsible dad. Right, my grandma's gigantic dog. Right, like fucking giant dog. Like six and a half plus feet when he stood up on his hind legs. Like huge dog named Barney, right? Big country dog. He got out. And I don't know how this happened. I can't even believe this is a thing that this guy was allowed to procreate. And the court said he could be my responsible guardian every other weekend, right? We're driving in the country. He sees the dog running along the side of the road. His fucking theory is he'll open the door. Hold me by my my fucking pants, and I'll lean out of the car while it's driving. Because he was a fat fuck, so he probably didn't want to get out and chase a dog through a fucking field. And that I would reach out and grab Barney, this gigantic fucking German Shepherd something, right? And I would pull him into the car. We'd close the door, and we'd drive off to get ice cream, right? This was the scenario as laid out. Right. So he's holding me, driving. We're going not very fast, but we're like kind of like cruising down the road. Grabs me, <laughs> leans me out the car, right? So I lean out, and somehow, I don't even know how this fucking worked, right? He, like, got in front of it fast and the furious style slowed down. I reached out, and I grabbed his fucking dog. Right. And the moment I grabbed his collar, the dog went perpendicular to the road, right? Like a tease design and ran into the corn. I got thrown out of the car, right? Because my basketball shorts were not sturdy enough and up to code. And just my face bounced off those giant white rock country roads. Like, yep. Just massive amounts of head trauma, concussed. I'm very beat up. My dad's doing everything he can to make sure that my mom doesn't find out. And this isn't later used as evidence in court, right? He comes home with every fucking kind of candy and ice cream imaginable. And he rented me tapes. That was his, like, please God. And the two tapes he got me were Big Trouble in Little China and Gremlins. And so for the rest of the weekend, I just watched those two movies back to back and ate every fucking bit of sugar I can find. And I've always said this, Big Trouble Little China is probably about as formative to my taste as any movie ever. Like, I saw that young and concussed, and, like, that became my... I feel like Gremlins is very much of that ilk. I don't know that I've watched this in a couple years. What did you think going back to this kind of seminal movie of our childhood? Here's my surprise for the pod. I have never actually seen Gremlins. Wait, 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 what? You've never seen Gremlins? Not Have you seen Gremlins 2? Nope. <laughs> oh my God, I don't know. I know, this, is, this was actually really exciting, and I'm glad someone picked Gremlins. So, Gremlins is a movie. This is and- so weird, because we somehow started this pod just spilling tea. We're just fucking pouring our t- like yeah. British people are weeping at the amount of so, tea we're spilling in America. This much tea has not been spilt since that Boston Revolution. You have never. Everybody fucked. has this is these. a personal confession episode. I know, and everyone has like everyone's got those like blind spots in sure. their in their movie like yes. in their movie iconography or however you want to put this it. This like, just everyone- felt like one of those everyone our age. I agree, habit. and it's one of those wow. things, and it's weird. And I think I've I've what I've seen is the first like I've seen the opener. I've never seen past. Uh, I've never seen past the uh, the shop. Like, All you saw there, was the chubby Blade Runner opening. 
all I saw was Chubby Blade Runner with like the noir <laughs> thing. And like, it's a weird, th- and I don't know why. Like, I could not tell you why. Really, that is awesome, like, dude. My parents didn't give a shit. Like, they were not like like my parents yeah. like didn't want me to watch rated R movies, but like they would not have cared about Gremlins. Granted, they weren't going to go rent it for me because I probably wasn't going to like leap out for it. But at the same time, I just never. Just one of those movies. Like, look, I'll tell you right now. I've never read To Kill a Mockingbird. I wasn't forced to in school because, quite frankly, I didn't, and I didn't want to. And I was like, I got all eh. the way through high school. Yeah. Most like things it's, with lawyers aren't super. But like, it's one of those things. Like, it's again, it's one of those things. Like, it's weird when you talk when you tell people you haven't seen or read certain things. People are like, "What? That's crazy!" And it's just like, ah, I don't know. Now, okay, I agree with you on this. People say that about like wild shit. Like, you haven't seen Fast and the Furious four? Oh yeah, it's like, those people are full of shit. Fuck off! <laughs> like when people like, oh, you didn't see that fucking art house flick that had twelve screen release in nineteen thirty two. Like, yeah. oh, yeah, sorry, fucking dick mouth. But yeah. I feel like... People always want to get into it over, like, Plan 9 from Outer Space. Yeah. Yeah, but, like, imagine meeting someone who hadn't seen... Like, I, honest to God, I would put Gremlins there in my mind with, like, your Jaws... Jurassic Park, e. yeah, absolutely. Star Wars. I, I guess it's weird because the movies that were so formative to you as a child, I think you just assume everyone had. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think would've... this is awesome, though. So you and my son, Logan, who's four, the, you both saw this for the first time this yeah. week. So I'm that father, too. Uh, I don't know if it was great so, to show up thank you, Papa. loved it. Yeah, thank you, Cloud. Oh, Papa Noel, thank, thank you. Thank you, Papa Cloud. Oh, Topo Gijo. <laughs> <laughs> Papa Noel, Cloud. This is great. So you, this is, okay, now this is Very lawyer. fresh. Granted, again, we're just doing wild personal <laughs> stories. We haven't even talked about the movie yet. <laughs> this is a fucking treat. So instead, I thought we were going to do all the old gremlins, like, oh, what about the fucking time zones? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. All the yucks. This is a totally new universe opened upon you. We're getting fresh shit today. Yeah. Steaming hot pucky. Brand new, it- untouched. It was well, okay. So, what are your what are your thoughts? Like totality, like a summary. How did you feel about this movie in 2021? I'm honestly really glad I saw it as an adult. I think as a kid, it might have been lost on me a little bit. Like I probably wouldn't have been <laughs> as into it because, like, when I was younger, yeah. I'm not sure. As a kid, like it just wasn't a thing that I was going to go after. So, seeing it as an adult and like with my kid too, which was really interesting, he was like glued to the screen like he has this there's a movie he like always wants to watch on my phone which is this uh mickey mouse christmas movie and he literally put it down to watch gremlins which was yes. awesome. yes your boy became a man today <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah i thought it was other yeah um it's weird like it's a really strange sort of morality tale in a lot of ways sort of a parable of sorts Yes. Uh, now, this is the thing, to your point, right? This is the movie when we were kids. I was telling my kids, I was like, this might scare you because they love watching Gremlins 2. And Gremlins 2 is the full-throated embrace of the Gremlins as Looney Tune characters, right? And I knew Gremlins 1 was a little grittier, right? It had been a little while since I've seen it. But right. these aren't Looney Tunes characters. These are essentially every kind of criminal, including like sexual deviance you could imagine uh but played with cartoonish sound effects behind right and so i was like all right prepare this is not like you know the the fucking bugs bunny version of gremlins this is the real shit i had forgotten there is a a level of subtext that was so lost on me almost my entire life i didn't realize this was an economic anxiety takedown of capitalist christmas absorbing america um, there's weird, like Reagan era politics that are jumping in, uh, the ugly head of racism from the generations that have gone through wars. There's a lot of heavy adult shit happening yeah. in the movie that I remember for the orange juice machine and the fucking, you know, flasher gremlin. There is a, I mean, this is a fucking sad American, like this is a broken Americana film, right? It's. <laughs> It's deceptive. It's a really fascinating, uh, <laughs> it's just really weird sort of like, um, look at it's, it's this weird look at like, a, it's a wonderful life, like how messed up 
Like this is like yeah. George. Like this is like if George well, Bailey. You could say this is the town. It this is Pottersville, right? Like when Potter won, this is what that town looks like without all the cool brothels and shit. Yeah. Like this is Pottersville. <laughs> the gremlins, I guess, are the prostitutes that storm in to Bedford Falls later. That's like, I guess, where this movie is. This it, is, I mean, yeah. All right, well, go ahead. What what I I think this is why I like because for me the movie starts so differently than the actual movie itself. Like the movie begins like yes. Big Trouble in Little China. And I was like, are we doing a Big Trouble in Little China thing? Like, again, I... Not even that. It's just straight up noir. Like, yeah, everyone's the, got a tale to tell. Everyone's got a tale. Yeah, I got one. My no name's Randall. Randall like. Pilzer. Yeah. I'm an inventor of sorts. Like this... Yeah. And you're just like, weird. wow, that detective is like way more drinking into than where we start most of these movies. Yeah. Well, that was like, <laughs> I was like, I feel like we're, <laughs> I was like, did I miss a beat? Did I miss something? Like from the very beginning, I was like, I feel like I've missed a whole like half of this movie. Yes. And um, he even does the like in Chinatown. Yeah. So he, but like, and again, I'm just like Randall Peltzer is easily the worst father like top five worst parent. I was just like, who goes first off? Who goes to Chinatown? Okay, to well, buy let's, presents. Let's for pause the this because first, yeah, he's doing a lot of traveling and almost no selling, right? And this isn't traveling for like a job; it's for his tinkers, right? His tinkerings that he's doing. Yeah, um, doesn't even take the time to have like a working prototype before he hits the road. So this is a man who desperately wants to not be with his family, including at Christmas when he drops a biological weapon in their lap. Neither here nor there. I think the argument will be from some people. It's like, but he seemed like a nice guy. His family liked him. And I was like, I think he's, I think he's like the bro, right? He's not really a husband. He's not really a father. He's like the quirky friend that like also just lives in your garage every now and again. Right. But yeah, he's shitty in that way. He's not like, I mean, I guess I would argue he's actually fairly abusive, like straight up abusive. Yes. I, I think we can both agree. Like he's not a very ideal father, right? But no, I think you all. would give him a small pass, right, as to, of course he wants to flee this town. Because the way they lay out this town in the movie is baffling. And I love it because in part two, uh, the Trump-like character literally buys a picture of the town because he's like, that's what people want. That's the America people want. And if you watch that movie without having watched Gremlins 1 in a long time, you're like, yeah. Like, I remember the images of kids playing in the, the snowy, right. you know, tree lot. Everything else after that opening is fucking horrible. So you have a uh, Cruella de Potter stomping around. And this lady's hobby is to come into the bank, cut the line and tell this guy, she's going to microwave his dog. Like that's the world we're living in for. And this is okay. Now this is a good visual storytelling thing. These people are so fucking afraid of this sack of shit lady. Mrs. Deagle. That multiple times in the movie, she cuts the line and not one surly middle-aged worker who's had too much guff gives her shit about cutting the line. They just let this offense happen multiple times. Insanity. I mean, not only that, she's shitty to everyone in town. Like, she's like Potter's <laughs> wife. Well, also, know? her intro is telling uh, this family who are about to be evicted for Christmas that they should ask Santa for rent. Yeah. And as she goes into the store, this is just a little extra fuck you to her. The kids turn around, right? And like they're right in camera. And they just go, We're hungry, mommy. And she goes, Me too. And then we go inside to start threatening dog murderers. This might be the most fucking low blows to start a movie for any character in the history of filmmaking. She just straight up sucks. The funny thing this movie always does is they pair her with uh fucking Peltzer. Yeah. Who fucking ties his dog up under his desk at work. And you're like, you know what? You suck too. And I think yeah, in 2021, it's especially important to realize that he sucks <laughs> because we have this flood of human beings that think that their dog is so important that it must be everywhere they are. And it's a yeah. fucking curse upon the land, right? My dog needs to sit where the humans sit on a plane. It doesn't matter if you have allergies or the dog's noisier nips. Uh, fuck you. It's my dog. It's important. Um, yeah. Right? If I go to a restaurant, my dog needs to be sitting at with me at the restaurant. It doesn't matter if while you take a bite into your double cheeseburger, 
my dog takes a steaming hot shit. So your nose will be filled with the buffet of fecal as you bite into your dinner. That's not my problem. My dog can't live in an apartment because he's important. And so through the context of that, you look back and you go, you know what? Maybe the entire Peltzer family got what they had coming. (laughs) I got to be honest. It's it's very interesting you say that because the beginning of this movie, like he's in the shop and he's like, oh, I got to have that for my kid. And I'm like. Why would you be buying a th- first off? This yeah. is something I know. Well, also, when he says that you don't anticipate his kid being 37 years old, <laughs> right? yeah, honestly, I, yeah, I don't know how old got, Peltzer is, but you're like, I gotta he's get way it for older my kid. Than Daddy's bringing you home a fuzzball, <laughs> I gotta get it for my kid. I'm like, okay, cool, that's nice. He's bringing it home for his like plucky 10 year old child. No, no, 10, this is a 10 to full blown 17 year old who's, yeah. Just, Whatever age Feldman is in this movie, yeah. that kid can get a fuzzball for Christmas. That kid should get the Mogwai and not, you know, the older <laughs> kid who's just beating his meat to Phoebe Cates the entire time. So here's this is like the thing that was like shocking to me as an adult watching this movie is absolutely no one. I just like the idea that, that like he can't get his own dong wet after midnight. Like, like his, his little masturbation, like parallel nightmare journey. Right? His own little pant gremlin. <laughs> I just have all these images of him like, no lube tonight. It's at 12.01. And like little tiny dicks shooting off of his dick. Oh, my God. Is this just a masturbation movie along with social anxiety? It very or well might be. economic anxiety? Oh, my but God. Yeah. The, the thing that was still like, and I don't know if this is something that anyone's ever, I'm sure this has been addressed several times, is that no one seems to be alarmed by a mogwai like no one thinks anything of it it's just a normal house it's just a normal thing that people would like it's a rare thing in a shop in chinatown and yeah. you bring it to kingston falls usa and yeah. it's like yeah it's a mogwai of course duh what are you dumb you would know what a mogwai is yeah well there is definitely a um Okay, so we got it. We're going to break down the, like, what the fuck are these gremlins totally? Right. My theory is this is part of their their biological weaponry. Because, again, imagine if anyone came to you and said, we all watch every fucking planet Earth and nature show because we have these really... That's what they show in, you know, Best Buy when I buy the TV. So, like, I got to watch nature shows and make sure I still got the technology, right? Like, I love nature. (laughs) Imagine if after all that shit you'd seen, someone just showed up and was like, here's the thing you've never fucking seen. And it's got magical powers and it's carnivorous and can multiply all the shit. Right. Um, Take all that away. Imagine they just showed you this little thing. And the fact that, yeah, literally no one is stunned. Like even Corey Feldman, who's a child, just goes rad. I think that's a defense mechanism of the gremlin. And okay. I also think it's a fucking takedown of, I mean, this is, I think clearly it's a takedown of, uh, you know, kind of like the white appropriators. They just go in and they're like, hey, this might be cool. This could be the pelts of pet, you know, whatever. Yeah, Here's 200 bucks. And they of, just run out without like learning yeah. the respect of the gift of nature. I think along with the undercurrent of anti-capitalism, there is a huge like <laughs> sentiment of like, man, white people just take it for granted. All of this. But see, now that's the weird thing, right? Because this is Main Street America, right? This is the shit that this is the town that politicians always talk about without ever actually wanting to help. This of course in this movie is the exact fucking America they're always trying to sell us, right? Right. And the whole movie is talking about how hard it is to live in these towns, right? The factory closed, people are getting laid off. Uh Dick Miller's just kind of as amazing as he is, he's kind of like this borderline like you know, man, he's getting a little more racist, a little more prickly as he just ages, a touch. Right? Like it is like it starts that way. You're like, OK, cool. So you're willing to drive around a tractor yeah. and you hate foreign cars. Got right. It. Well, you're like, if that was a, a guy that like actually lived in your town, he would be not talking about cars, but humans in that snowplow. Yeah. Right. No, like, this is like for sure the guy who uses <laughs> the N word in earnest and like, you know, it's like super uncomfortable. Yeah. I don't say this word lightly, but and then everyone's like, oh, Jesus Christ. Futterman <laughs> had another beer. Jesus. Oh, great. Futterman Throw got drunk at the bar again. Yeah. Here we go again. No, and but that's 
so but the town is it's strangely saying feel sorry for this town while also saying that all these people suck and are irresponsible in the last scene of the movie <laughs> they fucking run in and it's just the the asian shop owner who's been wronged by not only this fucking appropriating uh white huckster but his own fucking bloodline and he comes in and just fucking admonishes our entire culture our entire country you guys fucking do what you always do you don't respect nature you destroy everything you touch you suck and i was I like is he just yeah is he fucking I john wick dismantling he the hero family that. of our movie and he just comes in and i think his last line is hey when you're ready, the Mogwai will still be here, you dirty fucks. Like, if you go extinct before, us and the Mogwai will be here. You guys suck. He walks in and sees the destruction of an entire Midwestern town on the TV. And his exact question is, you let a Mogwai watch TV? You sick bastards. And it's like, yeah. what? <laughs> it's a very, like, it actually reminds me of that joke we always tell about how, like, um, Aliens have definitely been here, and they've been like, oh, fuck this. This is already fucked up. We'll, yeah. come, we'll come when it's Whoa. way less fucked up, or when they've killed each other, you know? like we're, Yeah, <laughs> we're like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre house of the galaxy, where they're just like, Jesus Christ, don't go <laughs> over there. These are... <laughs> These are the aliens that like miss their train and they like have to stay on the have to stay. Like, that's... <laughs> there is <laughs> that's our okay. Punishment. We'll get to them. I still want to do a little more because I find this movie really funny in that it is, and it's kind of one of those things a lot of horror movies do, right? Where they try to make you sympathize with like maybe a character or a family so that we don't want them to get hurt but then everyone else who gets killed right like when i was a screenwriter uh on that tv show thousand ways to die right mm -hmm. we had a rule right like and the producer explained it to me as this on my first days like no one wants to read a story or watch a comedy segment about a hard-working mom hard-working single mom who raises three kids gives them a nutritious meal make sure their clothes are laundered right gets them to soccer practice on time and then uh you know a, an asteroid fucking explodes her head right like that's not a segment people once so you're like that no, sucks. that all. lady was a good person so it got so bad that at a point they're like you can't do frat boys anymore like you have to kill other people besides frat guys <laughs> uh because that's just easy right like, those guys suck we'll fucking kill them for a whole season anywho yeah. this movie kind of does the opposite where almost every character to a fault except for maybe futterman's wife <laughs> and maybe mrs peltzer because you just feel really bad for her yeah i'd say mrs peltzer i mean i guess only the women in the movie except for mrs deagle mrs peltzer and phoebe else. cates are the only people in this movie that i'm like those guys those are tried and trues exactly like even our main guy right little little richie peltzer or whatever his name is the boy who would get the fuzzball for christmas Billy. Yeah, little Billy Putzer, who's probably old enough to be looking for, like, supplement pills for his night gremlining, right? Well, That's how like, old he is in this movie. Well, he's, like, going to bars and stuff like that. Little Judge Reinhold, like, living his best life. Yeah. He's already chain-smoking because he's got a 9 to 5. You can't buy him a fucking pet for Christmas. Like, come on. Come on! But not only that, so that's who we're rooting for, right? Thanks for this and pet. Can I sell it for first and last month's They try to do the thing that, like, rent? he's paying for the house because his dad's a fucking derelict, right? Okay, so that's relatable. But then his dad gives him, like, three simple rules. I mean, okay, first off, that's another thing I'll take umbrage with. They're not simple rules at all. But, like, why did you put the Mogwai on your fucking comic booking table where you keep your giant cup of water, not in a cup holder? There's... Yeah, that's a base level of irresponsibility that a man of 52. No, I'm just going to keep saying he's older uh, should not have. That's right. fucking insane. Yeah. A 60 year old man should know not to just keep water on. his. This guy too. takes off his CPAP mask and just sprinkles the moisture on these mugs. No, that's not to say I don't understand. Are we supposed to root for this guy? It's the weird time where I was like, was Mrs. Deagle a little bit right? <laughs> right? Well, you know what's interesting? You're supposed to. Well, like, you're supposed to root for him. Like, accidents, you're like, well, that's stupid. They're wide-eyed dreamers, which normally you love. When he takes the Mogwai to school and ha and they experiment on it, that's where I'm like, dude, not yeah. cool. 
That was cool. that was the one where I'm like, okay, now I don't have any sympathy for Billy. But that's what, like, he's literally just slinging him like, I've got one to spare. And I was like, oh, my God. And then his dad sees the miracle. Okay, let's just do this now. Let's get let's get into this a little bit now. These fucking gremlins. So, I again, I always thought of them as, because I, I told my kids, I'm like, they're a little scary maybe to you, right? But my kids right. are in this phase where they're really testing it, right? Right. Because they know that I only watch horror movies. So, like, I was doing my, like, exercise or whatever and watching the, you know, documentary on Penhead, right, as right. a character. And Hunter's, like, trying to peek down to, like, I'm not afraid of the Penhead documentary. I'm like, you fucking will be. Like, I promise you, you fucking will be. Uh, if you try to watch Hellraiser, you're going to be a broken thing. Don't do that at seven years old. Or six years old. That's what he's still six. Uh, <laughs> but he's, like, pushing it, right? So I was like, don't watch. Like, Gremlins, if it's scary, we'll turn it off. And we'll go play upstairs. And he's like, I won't be scared. But, like, I could see him, like, getting a little, like, damn, they're, like, she's got, why is mom carrying knives around the house, right? Like, there's images that they're, like, I don't know about this. Something about this is wrong. Right. And they're not the cartoon characters I remember, right? Right. So let's talk about what these things are, right? Is one, like you said, they have the amazing ability to be unremarkable to everyone who sees them. Which is insane. It's got to be a fair um, amount. Also, thing. Jesus. I think you're right. I hope fucking uh, Grogu is just paying residuals to Gizmo. <laughs> for sure. But neither here nor there. So that's their main ability, right? Shut. One, they're put in a store that only fucking white people would shop in. Right? Right. And they're allowed to sing in a beautifully decorated box, which will definitely draw the attention of white people who will then take them to white places. Right? Uh, so that is that feels exactly like this guy smuggled a biological weapon into small town America by any other means. There is this kind of interesting thing I was was watching it. <laughs> Why is there a hobby siren song? <laughs> right? Like, like what are we through doing? Through the lens. Yeah, because <laughs> through the lens, this is basically like a Harry Housen, like Jason and the Argonauts beat. Yeah. But like it is this sort of like thing i <laughs> every guy with a wad of cash and asthma the mogwai's like oh <laughs> come on come on you know what you're doing you know what you're doing i thought a lot about that though, like because we're talking about like these are basically like sirens for whites you know and i was thinking yeah. about him like this is really like is this movie about like <laughs> if we're taking like that they're aliens who like got accidentally stranded or something like that they are like in that case they're like well while we're here let's just thin the herd a little bit here and like there's way too many of these types so let's just get rid of a yeah. bunch of them right now well, it's hard <laughs> too because i don't know if they're aliens i kind of think of them as like you remember in godzilla king of monsters where essentially in the new godzilla american trilogy they go to this really weird place where the kaijus are the antibodies of the earth and that perhaps we're the thing that they need to cleanse right <laughs> Right. And it's like, yeah, I mean, I kind of, it's like a very it less elegant sense. way that like the Matrix described it, right? But they're just like, right. yeah, that's why Godzilla makes blue fire. Right? <laughs> okay. That's kind of what these things feel like because it feels very mystical to me. But again, this could be like a killer clowns thing, right? Because so what we know about them is they have these rules that are fucking impossible for any fucking human family to follow, right? Unless you became a full-on jailer, right? right? Like, if you treat you, these things as pet and are emotionally right. bonded Unless to them, you are actually paying attention to the Mogwai-ness. And that might, again, be another defense mechanism. Because, again, as unremarkable as everyone finds these things, the rules seem like they'd be very important. But and also impossible to fucking... Like, they even make fun of this in part two where the guy's like, what if you eat a sandwich at 10 and you forget to floss and a piece of sandwich comes loose at, like, 1230... You didn't eat it at 12. Like, it's really fucking funny. Because, like, we all did the thing. Like, when I saw this at Arclight, like, I got in line. I was going to ask, like, what about time zones? And, right. like, you know, in part two, they address all this shit, right? But I'm sure everyone has a snarky shit. And the other thing, too, right? Like, when they fucking, why did you sell this? Or why do these things exist in New York City where there's snow? Guess what snow is? Water. Like, right. what are we talking about here? <laughs> Like, when Spike or Stripe jumps out of that thing, there's going to be fucking a million Mogwai. He doesn't even need the fucking pool. The whole town is his pool now. But this is what I mean. So, go to a human house where humans have to subside on water. We have so many access points to water in our whole house. Um, 
what if you sneeze on a mogwai right these things are specifically designed like even normal house lights are too bright for them so they are specifically designed to where we cannot follow the rules right like, and then they are sold to the people that are the least responsible and capable of following the rules right that is a fucking predatory design right it reminds me of those fish that hang out on the bottom of the ocean and they're like hey this little dong on top of my head is a light don't right. you want light and your cold dark existence and a fish comes in it's like well, like well like mr wing's grandson who's this goes back to the grandson who Dude. sells the mogwai so he goes behind Do you his think he's back. a sleeper agent for Do you think grandpa sure. just happened to fucking saunter off and was like oh Absolutely. don't take that mogwai no behind doubt my in my mind yeah 100 percent this young guy, this young kid was like, we need the money. Yeah. This kid's appealing to that guy. The, the fucking loser from the town with the world's worst invention who loves the thought of slapping that $200 down when we find out his I also kid's think, paying all the bills. Come on. Well, I also think there's a possibility that him and his him and his grandfather are like the Mogwai whisperers. So they're like totally well, okay with them, to them true. multiplying. Right, yeah. But this gets to the end, right? That guy was not sad that there was a whole town that almost got murdered. I not mean, at all. At the end of this movie, if they said there were 200 dead bodies in this town, I wouldn't be shocked based on the bedlam we saw. And he's not mad about that at all because he knows. I think Mr. Wing would be like death to colonizers and the new movie and the movie would end. <laughs> that would be... <laughs> <laughs> that's what you think i mean i mean come on this you're, you're not wrong this is the perfect biological you're saying weapon. just because that he lives in the sub basement of the world's most fucking giant overcrowded city that he has a vendetta against us well, like think about it this way though like i think the, that's a fucking it, ruse that's a setup it it's it's a total setup but it's also a perfect it is a perfect biological weapon like Think about the most responsibility you need is to, like, care for these things and basically make sure that they, you know, eat their dinner on time and don't do anything Not even else. that. If you treat these things as anything other than prisoners, you cannot have them. If so you the, literally kept them in, like, a cement cell, a darkened cement cellar, right? you could potentially, and if you IV fed them at specific times, you could possibly <laughs> have a mogwai. Anything other than that, it's fucking impossible. Now the assumption is that Stripe chewed through the um, the clock, right? Yes. Now this this is okay. going to get to. I, I'm laying out an entire biological profile, right? So one, we know that they can, with water, a very minute amount of water, they can spontaneously reproduce into right. fully sentient, conscious beings, the same as their creator, within minutes. Right. Right. If they eat after midnight, they can mutate into these large predatory killing machines, right? Right. They also can survive electricity, all these insane brute and traumas. They, and right? they know that it can happen to them. Like, they're fully aware of this. They are genetically driven they're to genetically make it happen, engineered right? to do this. So they chew the clock, right? And then they go nuts in that, yeah, 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 because they know that the lazy white owner is going to be like, yeah. Like he just walks down to the kitchen and gets this is how lazy the pelters are. They didn't even put saran wrap over their fucking fried chicken, you monsters. Monsters. And so come on. when he's in the kitchen, he didn't even think to like double check the time because he's like, I got 20 minutes. That's fine. What if it takes what if they don't eat like little fucking monsters? What if like that fucking close up of eating is disgusting. Oh, it's but so what gross. if they eat slow? Like he didn't even waste any time to stop and like double check like the oven clock or the microwave clock, whatever. Anywho. It's the so carelessness. This, this is some other scary things. These things that have been alive for maybe a day, two days max, understand our technology well enough to know that if they chew through the clock, they can pull their elaborate ruse on this fucking idiot. That's scary. Think about the things they see in this town. They know uh, the mechanical apparatus underneath a car. They, they knew how Mrs. Daigle's little, little chair worked. Yes electrical like, engineering really well. that's that's a mark on the side of alien yeah. honestly I, I agree i i mean i guess i never thought about where they came from here's here's my biggest question with the mogwais right what is gizmo i think actually that gizmo is 
I think Gizmo's the original, obviously. But Gizmo okay, now here's be- my question about that, because is Gizmo foisting this upon people or is he cursed by this? I think Giz I think Gizmo is the only one of I think Gizmo's the only one like it, and this is the curse. It's like um you know, it remind, I thought a little bit about because um the word Mogwai is Cantonese for devil. I read that on Wikipedia. So and I thought Gizmo is the devil you love. So I thought right? a little bit about that and I was like, so it's kinda like remember um in a Lovecraft country, um the fox legend, the woman who had yeah. become like the giant fox, like that kind of thing. I was like, okay, so maybe it's sort of in that vein where it's like it is just this it is the devil you love but this is what i i mean it's this devil devil you love it's the devil you keep lucifer was the number one angel the most beautiful the most perfect whatever does it make sense that gizmo was invented specifically to call us is but this is the thing in part two, they, they in part two they totally erase this, right? Like right, he is yeah. now like our merchandisable, lovable figurine. Right, right. In this one, does it not seem like maybe Gizmo, when he's put on the table with the water, would be like, "Oh God, water!" Yeah. Like, don't don't Gizmo's give me near that. Gizmo's got some uh, Gizmo's got some Audrey two vibes, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, here's the other thing: we see the other gremlins torturing Gizmo. We think. We see that they're pretty efficient killers. They don't ever actually hurt Gizmo. No. I think this might be an S&M show, dude. Maybe Gizmo <laughs> knows the safe word. Mogwai, right? Billy. Billy's the safe word. Like, wow. when he's on that dartboard, they couldn't hit him with a fucking dart. They didn't actually want to, like, rip up the innocent, cute vegan who won't join the party. <laughs> no. Because he's like, safe word. Billy. Billy. Their accuracy is not great. Their electrical engineering skills are great, but they're like they're like stormtroopers when it comes to that kind of stuff. They were good enough to catch him and tie him up to that board. Also, right, here's the like, thing: when Gizmo sees the giant cocoons, he's not like, "Hey, man, I'm gonna fucking get out of here. <laughs> like, I'm well, gonna run away because you guys, yeah, you guys don't walk it because he's Again, not. Scared. He's the original. He's not scared. He knows. He's not scared because he wants this to happen. Right." It's an Audrey 2 thing. It's He's the pretty face that lures you in. I think Gizmo is fucking in on this ruse. Oh, I think so, too. But they're clearly not. I, I do want to speak. They're, they're not like, you know, they're not accurate. Uh, they're not accurate throwers. That battle in the kitchen with Mrs. Peltzer. <laughs> like, she literally took two of them out with no, like, with absolutely. Okay, they wouldn't win the World Dart Championship. But with enough throws. Certainly not. They're not, be, they're not going to be. They're not going to be. You know, extras and Hawkeye. With this little midsection, they're going to hit something. I won't win the World Dart Championship if you give me twenty darts. I bet I can hit near the middle. I can hit a Gizmo-sized bullseye. <laughs> sure. I sure. think Gizmo's in on it. I think perhaps what the Mogwai feeds on is the misery of the masses. That's what I think. I think maybe somewhere Ooh, that like the Mogwai is a cursed creature. That Maybe fucking mo- brings in the soul and misery okay, of yeah, people that's good. who are doing wrong. Well, that, no, that's good. Like that is like okay. So the Mogwai is the Mogwai is attracted, or the people are attracted to a Mogwai because they right. are like, you know, Randall is clearly He's the only a one up. we hear with the singing voice. Randall, why finds is he the it? only one who doesn't want to eat after midnight? He is conscientious. He's the only one who's conscientious enough. I definitely butchered that word. I'm sorry. Uh, put that on a dartboard and I stake it. Uh, he is the only one who doesn't want to eat after midnight. So he's fighting the biological imperative that is built into all of the subsequent clones or replicants, whatever they may be. Yeah. (laughs) Replicants. I don't know. And at the end, yes, he sacrifices spike, but is that just because they have harvested all they can and he needs to get out of there? Yeah, I mean, I think he, well, I think that they're like, that's, yeah, that's the end of that. Because he, well, I think what it is is he sees another alpha in Stripe, so he's like, all right, fuck this. <laughs> he's Absolutely. like, I will smoke you. Yeah, like, God saw loose first, and he's like, this bitch. He's like, this dude's too, talking to my choirs behind exactly. my back. Hell. Yeah. I know, okay, we spend a lot of time talking about, like, what the, I have, there is one thing, and I had, 
again, this is like it's Joe Dante, and I had no idea this Wonderful. was coming. But Chris that, Columbus written Chris Columbus holiday, written like the king of Christmas. Chris Columbus. Chris Columbus written, Joe Dante directed. I did not see the Phoebe Cates dad story coming about why she hates Christmas. Dude, Holy shit. You know what's hilarious? In part two, they do that joke like four times where she's like, I remember that Christmas. And he's always like, hey, hey, things are going on. We don't have time for this right now. <laughs> I was like, there you go. Uh, that is one of the fucking weirdest moments it, in the history of not only Christmas movies, but just movies. I'm just going to tell you, it comes out of nowhere. And I'm like, whoa, what a bomb so to drop in the middle yeah, of this thing. <laughs> in the middle of the gremlins just raging. Like, this is a woman who's so fucking mentally disturbed by the events of her childhood that she decides to keep slinging beer to gremlins. That's how fucked up she is, right? She's just like, another day, another dollar. Just kidding. I'm not even making dollars. Uh, that's how bad it is for Phoebe Cates. She stops the movie dead to go, I remember Christmas. We couldn't find – I remember the smell. What? The firefighters ripped their chimney apart. Her fucking dad dressed as Santa Claus because he wanted to come down the chimney and surprise her. Which is fucking horrifying and creepy in many ways. Neither here nor there. Terrible that. idea, by the way. Uh, slips and breaks his fucking neck. Broke his, his fucking, fucking neck. And his fucking corpse just sits there and freezes and rots on Christmas. I mean, what a what a thing to hang on a scoreboard for this movie. It was... But also, not to play therapist... I think Phoebe Cates is mad at the wrong person. I don't think this is Christmas's fault. Yeah. Phoebe Cates is definitely like that. You're pulling like a Jack Skellington. You're blaming yeah. the wrong person here. Yeah. It's... When some dumbass in the, you know, like Southern nowheres is like some guy tried to build a rocket and he blew himself up. I'm not mad at rocket science as a whole. No. Right. Like I'm that mad. guy was going too hard. Your dad was going too hard. Leave Christmas. And to be him. honest with you, I'm not mad that that guy blew himself up. Having said all that, it's still tragic. Are you saying Phoebe Kate's dad deserved it because oh, he went the extra mile? One thousand percent. You're saying Listen, Phoebe Kate's dad is like the guy who blows himself up making a gender reveal bomb, and you're like, I don't feel that bad. Absolutely nailed it <laughs> because on of the, the eighteen head right forest there. fires. <laughs> there it is, right there. Phoebe Kate's dad. You know the best part of that scene though is himself. watching gizmo who we've now discovered is this fucking human soul eating monster yes. reacting in terror and being like not that soul that's too dark that's too much sadness even for the like you'll choke a mogwai if i eat the sadness of phoebe kate's backstory <laughs> gizmo it's... in that bag is just <laughs> yeah that the look on the other oh forget it yeah not this one but just on a movie level right to bring some of this back I, the fucking design of these creatures is fucking stunning. The creature and puppet work in this is fucking unbelievable. I forgot how really good it is. Um, I mean, what a stunner, dude. Like, that between... scene even of all the gremlins walking down the street, like, I just got goosebumps. I was like, oh, my God. You remember seeing this, this is for the like... first time concussed on a floor at my grandma's house? <laughs> Jesus Christ, what a movie. This is one of those things where it's like, I rarely say this about movies when it comes to this kind of thing, but this is one of those movies where you watch and you're just like, they just don't make them like that anymore, man. No, like that they is, literally don't. That is impressive work. Like you just look at it and you're like the amount, the sheer, like, again, like force of will to make a movie like this. And then for like, like the creature work is just, it's just next yeah. level, man. Like you well, can't, just imagine the first scene it. with Mrs. Peltzer. She juices one, stabs one, and blows one up in the microwave. And you're like, oh, my God, we're going yeah. for it. And then it's just like, then we go to the bar, the movie theater. That kitchen scene, I, when she throws the one in the juicer, I was physically ill. I'm like, that is the grossest thing I've ever seen. And those things oh, aren't even it. real. Yeah. And I was like, this is no. gross. Well, that was, awesome. my, that was my thing to the, my kids to get them to not be upset. I was like, oh, they're, they're uh, like plants. They're little plants. Don't right. worry about it. That's just like uh, when we make juice, right? When we're trying to lose weight. No big deal. Don't worry about it. Um, also, how bad, how bad at making a juicer are you? Good Lord. Oh, ju it's a juicer and peeler. Sorry. Yeah, don't even put a lid on it. It's fine. My 37-year-old kid who can't even follow the three rules won't chop his My 37-year-old bank teller child who pays all the bills will take care of My it. My 62-year-old broken-down CPAP-fueled son won't notice. 
But uh, it, it is wonderful. <laughs> like, I forgot how stunning the creatures were in this, right? That scene in the bar is just, they're doing so many different gags. And the Mrs. Deagle is still one of my favorite kills ever in a film. Oh, by far. It's so uh, good, dude. Every time I see it, it's so funny because I was watching it and just dying laughing. I was like, I fucking love this moment. It is kind of everything I love about movies in one moment. And my son looks over Hunter and he goes, that's not funny, Dad. She's not going to be okay. And I was like, yeah, maybe not. Oh, man. And I was like, oh, shit. But it is that the barbarity of these creatures is crazy. Because, I, I, again, I think that they got so Looney Tunes that that, that stains our mind, right? Like, mm-hmm. even Gizmo in this one is kind of, like, a little ugly at the edges. And by part two, he's, like, a full-on, like, adorable creature, right? Like a Grogu. Right. They like definitely copy Gizmo. Yeah. Yeah, and you forget, but, like, in this one, they're fucking shooting guns. They're throwing glasses. They're getting chopped up in juicers. Uh, that last scene, we have a chainsaw. He's throwing saw blades at Bill. I mean, he fucking pulls out a gun. He stops and sees a gun. Like, this is an intense amount of violence they're doing right this isn't really the cartoonish violence i remembered uh i don't know i was i was kind of stunned by that even running the fucking snowplow through the futterman's house i mean the whole thing is just like yeah i mean it's just it's savagery like i think this is like the crazy thing it's weird because i saw this as a kid and i remember this as like a fun cartoon yeah i this is I monstrous gotta, behavior. <laughs> th- this is kind of one of those things like seeing it as an adult and hear like having heard the stories and like talk to you about it and that kind of thing. Like it is a weird thing to realize like this was a movie that like everyone saw when they were much younger and like had a huge impression on them. And then you see it like, as our an parents adult. would press play and leave the room like they're going to watch that family Christmas movie. And that was it. <laughs> Because, and I'm like, is it because it says this Steven, is a question besides it's a wonderful this? life, right? Yeah. Besides it's a wonderful life. Is this like the first kind of holiday horror inversion, like the really great one? I guess a Christmas um, Carol is a horror story, but. You know, I did a little bit of research and actually like this is. Um, so this came out in 1984 and I did. I oh, like, so we'd already had like some some black Christmas and stuff like that. So, well, not only that though, but like the concept of like injecting horror and comedy, like horror and comedy into either into the same universe. Like, um, in this, uh, in the, some of the reading I was doing, um, this professor cited ghostbusters, which was released the same weekend as gremlins, apparently as being like, could you imagine? No, I can't. That what a great like, weekend. Can you imagine but not that happening that, like, and not comedy, having a problem with it? Imagine the the time when we got there. Like I know Black Christmas did it. There's Silent Night, Deadly Night. Mm-hmm. Those feel smaller than this. Like this was aimed at a wide audience. Just saying, no, like this Christmas. Was aimed let's for inject ki- murder and this mayhem. This is aimed for children. <laughs> like this is for sure for kids. Yes. Like it's it feels like that. Even this is the movie like, you show people when you say, this is what I was raised on. Right. You guys are not watching the same kind of shit we were when we were kids. Well, I don't know. There's another thing. I don't know if you read this, too, but uh, um, Steven Spielberg, I think, petitioned the MPAA because I think they gave the movie an R rating originally. And I think I mean, that this wouldn't movie, be surprising. I think this movie and I think this movie and Temple of Doom were petitioned by Spielberg and got like they created the PG thirteen for this and Temple of Doom. Yeah. Like the fucking MPAA, the gremlins of the movie industry. Those are the true those are the true gremlins. But like at the same time, like what's interesting is like what we're talking about right now, you realize that and like creating a rating for this makes total sense because if this was rated R, no one would see it. And if this was rated PG, parents would be fucking furious. But, like, it sits perfectly in the middle for, like, our generation to come back to and, like, be like, oh, that shit was hilarious. Also gross as hell. Also, holy shit, like, yeah. this is, like, a, perf- this is like a perfect, like, right. murder, murder of a town. But that's it's exactly this- what I was saying. If you look at this movie and Big Trouble Little China, I was like, you could check every single box of, of like, the things that 
are like my kind of aesthetic and taste. This is the yeah. those two movies are the charcuterie board of everything I want <laughs> when I sample a movie. Right? Is in those two movies. I mean, again, it's just I I think this is the kind of thing and this is probably the movie that Joe Dante in my opinion is best known for. Oh yeah. And I, I mean, think it's this, it's my favorite of his movies for sure. Yeah, I mean, this is probably the one he's best known for and probably in all in all likelihood I think kind of probably his best movie. Like I love The Howling. But I also think that I think Gremlins. I think having seen it now, Gremlins is incredible. Way better. It's incredible. I like the Howling too. But this is what I mean. It's this perfect blend of kind of tongue in cheek comedy and awesome creature and practical effects, and it just has this insane like the fact that they put so much subtext into this. I love right like the idea that this broken down housewife still uses her husband's inventions even though none of them work i love that like that's such a nice touch to add to the movie right she's still trying to answer the phone with his stupid thing when he's not she's, there again, that's another by the, i don't know if you saw this that's another thing that this movie definitely says in the background of him at that convention they have the time machine from the movie yeah. And they cut back to him, and they're just, like, touching the floor where it's, like, smoking and it's gone. So time travel also exists in this gremlin hellscape universe. But she's still using his inventions. I love that, right? Yeah. Like, when they break down the Futterman's house, right, is he's, like, goddamn foreign, whatever. Right. He's just got a Nixon poster on the wall, right? Like, he still believes in the Nixon version of the world. There's a right. lot of subtext, right? Mrs. Deagle who wants to throw everyone out of their house and crush every she just wants money to spend on the creepiest cat infested hoarder house of all Ugh, time good lord right like there's so much extra shit happening here right yeah. yuppie judge reinhold like those extras make it better because yeah. that's the thing after gremlins too there was a lot of gremlins type small creature movies that were popping mm -hmm. up all the time right. um and i would say like everyone has probably heard of like critters critters was like actually a really awesome one but there's a lot of not really awesome ones <laughs> but none of them had this right that extra layer of this does feel like a real town with real fucking problems and it's it's messy and dirty very much like the gremlins man i like I don't know. There's another thing I do want to bring up with you, though. Yeah. I love the way this movie has so many other great movies in it, right? Mm -hmm. We talk, like, you know, uh, movies watching movies, right? We do that. Sometimes. Oh, yeah. So we have the Snow White. We have It's a Wonderful Life, so they're fucking steering into this, like, broken down Pottersville right. shit. Bedford Falls, Potterville. There was a weird one that made me ponder for a second when they showed Body Snatchers, right? Oh, yeah. So Alien, I believe, in Origin. But that was like a fear of communism movie, right? Yes. Uh, that, that version was it. fear of communism. That version communism. was fear of communists. They're here. They're coming for you. Your wife, your daughter will be next. Yeah. When they cut to the bar, that felt very body snatchers to me, right? Where all of a sudden now we have like jazz gremlin. We have flasher gremlin. We have ski mask robber gremlin, right? Poker gremlin. Right. These right. are weird fucking things that they stop attacking humans and causing mayhem to drink booze and smoke. I mean, honestly, I saw the gremlins at the bar. I'm like, that looked like me in Florida, just like five <laughs> cigarettes in my mouth and just housing beers. Uh, that looked very familiar. I related. But why are they stopping to do that? Right. There's right. something extra. And I was like, is this saying that we're the fucking gremlins? I mean, right? there is These gremlins are us unleashed. Yeah, I would I say know. it's like. Yeah, well, yeah, I would say there's a level of assimilation, but I don't see the difference. Like, we also show up and ruin places, and, I mean, you know, how many times have we been in bars and we're like, man, those people should be kicked out, they're terrible. Like, it's... Or how many times have people said that about me? <laughs> like, what a I'm shockingly saying, like, low amount of being removed from a it bar is this, resume, like It me. is this sort of cracked mirror in a way, when you think yeah. about it. I thought that is it's one of those scenes that's become so iconic, mm -hmm. but I do. I think it's funny because I'm assuming when this was put in the movie, there was not a deep underthought of what does this mean oh, for the genetic weapon that is the gremlins? Maybe there was, 
Uh, and I know people always say that about us. Like, you guys fucking waste so much time trying to come up with theories about shit that doesn't matter. Fine. This felt, and I would say normally I agree with you, the fact that they inserted body snatchers into gremlins. Yes. I think if that you're is a movie put... about stealing identity. Yes. And when you see them actually stealing human form, I think there's a connection there with body snatchers, man. I agree. I think, look, body snatch like, any other movie and i would say who gives a shit like you could say that the reason the body snatchers is in there is because i don't know joe dante was about to start directing the twilight zone movie or some shit like it doesn't matter like it doesn't matter maybe he just really liked it but like he really liked vic morrow like who knows but like to me but like putting a movie like body snatchers any iteration of it but particularly the don siegel version which is like in my opinion the best one it's about paranoia. That's the movie. The movie is a, like Body Snatchers about the paranoia of communism seeping into American life. When we see and we cut to the when we're at the bar with the gremlins, this is less about this isn't paranoia of, you know, communism seeping into American life. This is the assimilation of Americanism. This is exactly what it is. Is It's this cracked mirror that we're being held to the standard of like this is who we are. Like yeah. we are just as bad, if not worse, yeah. than these than these creatures well, that's, that that's take what over I our think bar. Of, right? Yeah, it's we're not worried about communism. We're worried about the melting pot. We're worried about changing technology. Absolutely. We're worried about all. I think a lot of it too is I think we're just worried about ultra violence and debauchery. hundred percent. Right? Especially as aimed by children, right? Which is really ironic thinking of moon. But even Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, I was like, so Billy's the fucking flitting around snow white and then just has these seven little monsters with her and now they're like we own this fucking fool like we're gonna go in on this hi ho hi ho the gremlins are eating that shit up they're taking billy to the fucking mine right the deep mine of sadness and misery he's exposed on this town you know the chickens are the poison apple it's all there it's all there that's all i'm saying it's all there no i don't know i just i i think this movie has what what you remember about it is, a, I mean, this is a movie that the creature design is one of those just lightning in a bottle things where it's so perfect. The first time you see the green gremlins, right? The first time you see Gizmo. The first time you see the hands coming out of the cocoon. Um, and it just awesome. keeps going and going and getting better and better. And the way they move and interact is awesome. And all that is great. And there's a movie with not super memorable characters, I would say, but the world and the the rough edges of the world are so memorable and fun to to bask in. Agreed. That I think I think it just stands head and shoulders over a lot of movies that tried to pull this same trick. I mean, it just it's unabashedly and perfectly itself. And I think like that's like the most important thing is the movie is the movie's original. Like, I think that's like what it is. Like it takes from all these great pieces of art and that's really all you can ever ask for movies is whatever came before it. Can it be as good and add something new? And that's exactly what gremlins does. I'm, and I'm honestly, I, I know it's, I'm glad I waited till 35 to watch it. It's so much more enjoyable as an adult. I honestly am stoked that you got to check this off. I love gremlins too. Also, a lot of people shit on that. I, I think gremlins too is fucking a blast, man, but it's just, it's just one of those kind of like foundational flicks for me. And yeah, like when we were watching it for this, I showed it to my kids and they still fucking love it, man. And my kids are like YouTube watchers and all that. But like this movie just still fucking works on a base level across any demographic. I would feel it's just great. Uh, There is one other thing too. The movie feels real is that at the end of this, uh, the fucking irresponsible white family (laughs) is just going to get off scot-free. Just totally fine. I mean, just think of the casualties. How many people have you had to guess died this night? If it's under 20, I'd be shocked. It's got to be at least 20. Let's say, I would say like 20 to 50, right? Ed Gein killed three people. And almost every famous movie monster we had from like Psycho on had like some Ed Gein in him. He killed three You're reading that Ed Gein comic book, aren't you? I did read it, and it's great. I'm in the middle of it right now. It's so good. It's fucking great. It's so good. But that's what I mean. 
he pretty much like maybe killed his brother and like a couple other old ladies who were already old. This person unleashed fucking little green Ed Geens across an entire city. He brought an entire city and all of what little beleaguered industries it had to its knees. Crippled an entire town. And he's just like in the part two, he's just got like a cushy, like cartooning job in New York. And it's like, what the fuck? Get out of it scot-free. Good for him. He lived his best life. Maybe uh, fucking Gizmo's not the only fucking devil in this movie, Billy. 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 Yeah, you little sack of shit. All you pelters. (laughs) (laughs) Anywho, uh, I am fucking glad that Gremlins was chosen for this, man. What an honor to talk Gremlins. great. What a great movie to have for the, the Christmas uh, movie of just what has been a great year for the show, man. We're very thankful for everything that came this year. Super thankful for Gremlins. Super thank you for all of our patrons. Uh, if you want to join us and get in on this movie selection, uh, selecting fun, talk some shit with us about movies, man. Film Alchemist, uh, that is patreon.com slash film alchemist pod. Uh, you know, give us some of those dollars, man. We won't give you Mogwise. We'll give you good stuff instead. All good the, stuff. Uh, YouTube channel, Film Alchemist. The email, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. We're on all the socials you're on. Go over and tell us how much you like our wild theories, our, our overblown theories. More than anything, guys, thank you for a wonderful fucking year. We guys hope that your year was okay, man. I know it was a rough one for a lot of us. Um, I hope right now you're listening to this surrounded by loved ones and family. You're thankful that for you're the year you had. Clearly trying We're to thankful ignore. for you. Yeah, which you, like Billy's dad, are desperately trying to not spend time with. Uh, I hope that everyone out there is having happy holidays, man. Merry Christmas to everyone. Have a wonderful holiday, everyone. I hope you guys are Yeah, from our families to yours, man, I hope it's just a great one. Uh, For the Film Alchemist, I'm Josh Griffey. I'm Alex Dandino.